so for me, the problem was located in my body, meaning I didn't feel right in my body way before the weight happened. The weight was just a catalyst, if you will. And I had to really um, work on this on multiple levels. Uh, First, I had to feel like I was making some lifestyle changes that would be manageable and sustainable. And then I needed to actually physically take action in my body and connect with my body so that I could feel the courage that I was hoping for. (laughs) Teresa's story is not an uncommon one. Life changes. Things get on top of us. We ignore our physical bodies. That body, which is an organism that houses our spirit, and then eventually we wake up and wondered what just happened. (laughs) The same happened to me about 17 years ago, and I bet for many of you too. But there's a big but. Very often we do make changes. Things do change and we change our bodies for the better. But they're not always sustainable, are they? Our conditioned minds eventually get back into control and we slip back to ignoring our bodies. Teresa has a formula that might help you or someone you know. She also has a really great story, a great journey to getting back in touch with herself. Enjoy. Staying Alive UK. Share your story. Hi, Teresa. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Really lovely to meet you. And how are you today? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Michael. I'm uh, excited to get to have this conversation. And it's thanks to Pia in Hong Kong that you and I are speaking today. So we've, you know, very international (laughs) Hong Kong to the UK to the USA. Um, Yes. The magic of the internet. Absolutely. Uh, Pia, who I met while she was in Hong Kong, who is currently in Berlin, and uh, I'm living in Connecticut, but I'm heading off to Greece. (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. So, yeah, and we're interviewing with you in England. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And, well, Greece is one of our favorite places. Our, Our last vacation was actually in Crete. Um, mm. And then the following year, lockdown happened. But um, mm. yeah, we, we love Greece. So I'm very jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And Crete is a lovely place. Uh, yeah, I spent all but two summers of my entire life in Greece. I'm Greek-American. Um, one of the summers that I couldn't spend in Greece was this past lockdown. So yeah. I'm looking forward to going and seeing family and just uh, heading back home for my annual return. (laughs) Very nice indeed. Very nice. Well, Teresa, um, what we'd like to get started with is for you, you've already shared a tiny little bit there, um, but tell us where you were born. Um, 
you know, where have you moved around, um, where you now live, and also where did you go to school, your education, then what happened in terms of transitioning into a career, and then how did the career finish, and then how did you get started with what you're doing today, which we'll come to, which I'm really interested in hearing about. So I'll hand it over to you and I'll be quiet unless I want to ask any other questions as you're speaking. <laughs> okay. Okay, great. And yes, please ask away if I, especially if I <laughs> go on and on in stories. No um, problem. No problem. Yeah. When we go back far to where we were born and we're of a certain age, we can do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, thanks for having me again, Michael. It's uh, exciting to be part of your project here, uh, offering these journey profiles on professionals. And um, I'm certainly happy to be a part of that. So thank you. No, thank um, you. <laughs> I was born in uh, Hartford, Connecticut. And uh my, uh, but I am Greek American. I lived most of my uh, early years going back and forth between uh, Greece and uh, the United States, wherever yeah. my dad was transferred. Um, and he had met my mom in Greece while he was stationed there. Right. When I got married, and then he, they came back, and I was born here. But uh, I was born on the East Coast and my younger sister was born on the West Coast. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. So that kind of gives you an idea of how much they, they traveled. They traveled a lot. Um, yeah. We had a lot of movement when I was growing up. But I was fortunate to spend a couple of nice chunks of time um, with a little more stability in uh, Greece and uh, I was fortunate to also get to go to international schools and uh, be exposed to students, classmates from and teachers from all over the world. Yeah. Um, and I just I, I, I loved it there. I loved it in Greece. In fact, I wasn't in a hurry to leave home to go away to college. I went to um, my local uh, American university there and I studied psychology. Mm. because I was just uh, always interested deeply in psychology and understanding behavior, understanding myself, of yes. course, um, which we all, we all are on that quest, understanding other people. And although I didn't have the words for it, just trying to understand the juxtaposition of my inner world with what I was seeing on the outside from other people. Mm. Um, and I was also fascinated in animals and how they behave differently. And did they feel the same way we feel? And, uh, you know, I, I was interested in all of that stuff. Um, yeah. um, and I, I, I just, I was very curious to, to study human behavior and, and animals and go on my own quest in psychology and, Finally, I had to kind of figure out where I was going to land in psychology, and it was with the elderly. Right. I went on my first internship uh, to a nursing home, and 
completely fell in love with gerontology and the elderly. Um, I was absolutely enchanted by the stories of their lives. Mm. And of course, for me, it was perfect because I loved hearing the stories. And when I was in this setting, they couldn't wait to get somebody who wanted to <laughs> to listen to the story yeah. all over again. <laughs> so it was a match made in heaven, right? Yeah. Uh, um, but I would find myself getting lost in their stories. I've heard stories from people who have survived terrible atrocities during the wars, yeah. um, uh, just migrations, you know, uh, harsh work conditions, uh, terrible illnesses, terrible things that had happened to them. And as they would tell me these stories and their eyes would kind of glaze over, I, I would sit next to them and, and watch their eyes and just kind of try to see how they were seeing themselves as they were telling the story. It was mm. like we were watching this movie together. Mm. And I was just captivated and would ask more details. And then I would look in their faces and try to imagine them younger and going through all the things that they were talking about. Mm. And it just really deeply fascinated me. Um, I continued in long-term care. I came to the United States and uh, did my graduate work um, in healthcare management. Uh, I decided I wanted to, I liked the social services aspect of my working with them, but I also wanted to do other things. So I did a lot of uh, social work type jobs from being a counselor for them to, uh, and part of their care team to uh, being a patient advocate. Yeah. And the one thing that really, really stuck with me was the different levels of life satisfaction and how some people had this knowing about what they needed to do in their life. Mm. And that led me down more curiosity on, you know, looking at social views on aging, personal views on aging, what constitutes a life well lived. Yes. I was just fascinated by that, and I still am. And uh, I, I put a pause on working with the elderly because I had a job that required me to travel a lot. And uh, at the time, I'd, I'd had a baby when I decided to um, leave my work because I wanted to stay home or at least be close enough to her to yes. uh, be able to raise her myself. I did not have family nearby. I didn't want to um, go to day, put her in daycare or anything like that. In the process, I found myself literally trapped under the weight of my body because I had gone through fertility treatments. I'd gone through um, a phase of uh, a few a few miscarriages and a phase of just frequent large meals. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and I literally, I felt literally trapped under my body and 
wondered how I was going to pull this thing off. Now, how do these two things tie together, you might ask? Well, it was the lessons that I learned from the elderly, from working with the elderly, that had piqued my interest, that really acted as a wake-up call for me and said, what are you going to do, Teresa? (laughs) How are you going to get to that person where that place where you are the person telling this story and you made the turn, you took the path that you would have wanted to take instead of the one that is perhaps easier or that you might be afraid to take. Yeah. And that led me on my health and wellness journey. That was my own journey that I really wanted to understand and dissect from the inside for myself first and then to help others. Mm. So that just kind of gives you an idea of how I went from one thing to the next and sort of a little foreshadowing of how it brings me to today. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm, do you have any questions or should I continue? <laughs> no, do please continue. I, I find it really fascinating that when I I kind of see a bit of a linkage to the your experience with the elderly and how you were taking in their stories of hardship uh, mm. that they had to overcome and mm. their suffering, right? Mm-hmm. And how they had to deal with that and you know, get through it and got through the other end. And of course, we we also know that being elderly can also mean suffering too, uh, with the physical mm-hmm. body, maybe even with the mental side too. So, and then you reflecting on yourself when you were unhappy with your own suffering and do so my question really is do you think there was an influence from your work that you had done previously that helped you then on your journey for yourself absolutely yes and and uh thank you for reflecting that to me um it was absolutely uh an essential part of my journey because when I started on my health and fitness um, uh, solution, if you will, to my problem, I thought, and I carry all of these people that I've met along the way in my heart, I thought about, you know, what would so-and-so do or Mm. how did that journey turn for them? And of course, I also carry the ones who had regret and didn't make the choices that they wished they would have made. Yes. And for me, I, I remember complaining to a friend and saying, you know, I, I don't know how I'm going to deal with 
my, my weight the way that I am. And, you know, by no means am I, am I suggesting that, um, our weight and size is the be all and end all because in pop culture, we have a very superficial view on that. What I'm talking about is something deeper. It's about connecting to our body and feeling right Mm. within ourselves. Mm. And in my problem, I realized that I hadn't felt right in myself, in my skin for a very long time. Yeah. And what inspired me with the elderly was that those stories of doing things that felt right and finding their own happiness or their own peace, right? We have happiness science that's emerging now that talks about uh, having a life with meaning, connecting with others, mm. connecting with nature, our body, our breath. There's so many modalities. Mm. And there's so many choices because there's not just one formula. And uh, the people who I spoke with who had gone through hardship had in common that they chose their path based on what felt right and not based on fear. It was courage over fear to do what they knew in their hearts they needed to do to take care of themselves or a situation as opposed to accepting it and moving on. And we have a lot of language around that. We have a lot of, you know, phases where people, uh, and and, in the coaching industry, we see this a lot where people just need to change careers or we're seeing a lot of uh, people who have studied one thing and they go on to change a career because they're unhappy with their life. They're unhappy with their relationships. They're unhappy um, with the way their life is going. And some people just plug along and wake up one day and say, where am I and what have I been doing? And others have a way or get help or intuitively know how to listen to what they really need for themselves to feel right. And for me, my problem was that I did not feel right in my body. And for me, that was an awakening moment. I had never run a mile or a kilometer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had never um, enjoyed being physically active. And I realized that it was that type of exertion in my body, excuse me, that type of exertion in my body that scared me, that troubled me, Mm. that I felt I couldn't overcome. So for me, the problem was located in my body, meaning I didn't feel right in my body way Mm. before the weight happened. The weight was just a catalyst, if you will. Right. And I 
I had to really um, work on this on multiple levels. Uh, first, I had to um, feel like I was making some lifestyle changes that would be manageable and sustainable. And then I needed to actually physically take action in my body and connect with my body so mm. that I could feel the courage that I was hoping for. <laughs> yes. And um, get myself through. It was kind of like, you know, going back to the stories with the elderly where they would tell a story, a few people who are naturally gifted at telling stories, you know, I'd be, I'd be captivated and I'd say, and then what did you do? <laughs> what was, which one was it? Which did you take the path on the right? Or did you take the path on the left? Or did you retreat? And I just had this vision of myself. If I'm lucky enough to grow old and tell somebody else my story to say, you know, I realized in this moment that that was something that was holding me back. It was holding me back from my purpose. It was holding me back from feeling whole. And I could either use distraction techniques to ignore it. Yeah. Or I could deal with it. Mm. And I guess that was that that was really the 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 powerful lesson I learned with um, working with the elderly, mm. um, and it really helped me in my own journey. Uh, flash forward, you know, as I'm starting this this journey, I I thought to myself, I can run a kilometer, I can run two kilometers. Okay, now I can do this. More than once a month, <laughs> I can do it, you know, and survive. I can do it three times a week. And then all of a sudden, you know, well, not all of a sudden, I, little by little, I realized that I was feeling changes in my body that made me feel more powerful, as in I was taking control and I was taking the path that I was feeling really good about. And uh, I, uh, somebody said to me, you know, you should run some fitness groups and, and, and work with some other moms. And I thought, you know what? That would be amazing. But <laughs> I need more training first. Yes. So I trained in, um, I got my uh, um, personal trainer certification, and, but did a double. So I went and did my corrective exercise specialty, uh, which... I absolutely, it's, it's basically the sports version of yoga and I loved yoga too. And I had to kind of toss a coin as to which one I was going to do. Yes. Uh, and it got so much into postural alignment and that just verified for me. It just, it underscored how important it was for me to feel in my body. It, mm. it underscored how moving and aligning my posture were essential for me to be present in my body and to do all the things that I wanted to do from a place of being present and conscious and uh, embodied, if you will. Yeah. And then I, I was leading mommy groups online way before internet 
fitness became a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I loved it. But I realized uh, at some point that I preferred the one-on-one and that I wanted to do the psychological piece to help people along the journey that I had kind of stumbled upon because it was a little cumbersome to say, well, you know, I met these elderly people in a nursing home before I started doing this (laughs) (laughs) and they showed me some paths and uh, really you need to take this one. And I didn't want to be prescriptive. No, I didn't want to be no pain, no gain. Uh, Mm. You know, motivation can only take you so far. That's just like a diet. Yeah. Uh, And that's where I uh, discovered uh, internal family systems, which is kind of a mindset type. uh, It's a therapeutic approach, actually. Uh, If you've ever heard of it, IFS. And uh, I went to my local community college. I trained for two years and then I became certified in this. And it really helped me tease out in my clients, along with their fitness journey and their wellness journey, their self-care, it helped me really tease out what their path would look like. Not in a prescriptive way, but in a way that helped them name it, where we could visualize what it was that they wanted out of their life. Yes. And how taking care of themselves tied into it. Mm. Because so much of it, we think it's about six-pack abs, and we think it's about doing triathlons. And I did that too, by the way. But I don't do it anymore because I realized that that's not what it was about for me. No. And so it comes back to body positivity. It comes back to feeling good about yourself in a healthy way and taking care of our bodies in the way that allows us to be in our optimal functioning so that we are mind, body, heart, spirit, whatever you call it aligned yeah aren't you in in what you're describing as i'm listening to you and the kind of areas where you focused a lot of your study it so correct me if i'm wrong but what you're saying is you have to start in the mind first um you can't decide it's all about changing the body shape because that will only take you so far. You've got to really start with what's going on in the mind and adjusting that, changing your mindset, first of all. Not not changing your mindset, but having... It's not about changing your mind, but it's working on your mind. Yeah, I love this question. So let's refine it a little bit because I, I can sense that you're 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 formulating it as you go and, and trying. How about let's try tuning into your mind and your heart. Mm. When I, I discovered that the reason I wanted to do the triathlons um, and uh, get really really fit for a while, 
Yes. I mean, not, you know, was because I needed to, in myself, kind of uh, prove to myself that I could do it. Yes. Prove to the, to the younger girl in me that I could do it. Goals. And then once I proved to myself that I could do it, I was able to, it was after I had proven to myself that I could do it, that I started studying um, the psychology piece to this, particularly in application to health and wellness. But I realized that proving it to myself was giving me back that self that sense of self-worth that I didn't have when I was younger. So that's why I needed to prove it to myself. Yes. That was my particular need. So tuning into my mind and heart and understanding that, I was able to then say, oh, okay, we we did that. So we don't we don't need to do you want to do that anymore, Teresa? No. I, no, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't have to run a seven minute mile. I, you know, I can just I can do a 10 minute mile around the block with, you know, on a on a nice summer day and uh call it a day and have my shake and be in good shape and feel my body energized and I'm okay. I don't need to prove anything to anyone else. A lot of times, and I saw this with the women that I was coaching, and I experienced it myself. We fall off the wagon because we're trying to prove something to somebody else. Yes. And that's where I want to, I'm saying, let's refine it and let's go back to the mind and our heart. What's in my mind? What's in my heart? What's in your mind and your heart? Why do you want this? Is it because you need to prove something to somebody else? Are we doing some deeper work so you can prove something to yourself? Well, let's do it the right way then, because spending five hours in the gym and getting yourself hurt and then doing nothing afterwards mm, yeah. <laughs> or quit or quitting after five days because we come up with these unsustainable plans because not only are we going to climb Mount Everest, but we're going to do it backwards with our eyes closed, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we we put these these tremendous challenges to ourselves and then invariably oh, give up. I don't want to say yeah because we it's not sustainable. No. No. So, uh, yeah, definitely understanding the mind, our own mind, and our heart. And I, it's really important to me to clarify that because there's so much in pop culture about mindset that a lot of people confuse that term as in, I will go in and program you, Michael, so that you love jogging (laughs) or that you want to run uh, triathlons. And once I program you, that will make you successful and me a great coach. And you're going to write me a testimonial and we're both going to be happy. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's because of the quick fixes that we... As human beings, yeah. we were so impatient. Then we, when we yeah. finally realised that we've ended up in the wrong, let's call it the wrong body. Mm-hmm. Um, we've ended up here, and we go, "I need to fix this. How can I fix this in the next two weeks?" 
and mm-hmm. I'll find somebody who can fix it for me. Mm-hmm. That's usually the thought process. And then, well, they were no good because they didn't fix me. So who else can fix yeah. me? You know, what other course yeah. can I go on that's like a weekend and then by the end of the weekend I will I will be fixed? And, yeah, yeah I've, you know, been there, done that, got the T-shirt as well. And... <laughs> And um, in when you were describing your journey, you you did okay. You didn't go through every single step, but it sounded to me that you were taking small steps, um, very small steps to begin with, and say, "Well, I can you know run a mile, and then I could run two miles, or you know once a month, or whatever it was." You took small steps to begin with. Okay, they got more ambitious and bigger goals after that, but you would never have gotten to those if you hadn't taken the the small steps. Or am I wrong? Absolutely, and I, yes, and I, I love the way you you summarize that so beautifully, so eloquently. Because as you were reflecting this back to me, I was remembering my first. Uh, my first outings to go for a run on a flat surface and how I ended up training doing hills, you know, (laughs) and it was literally that progression. And it was the same thing with lifestyle change. You know, I was the queen of cheeseburgers and fries, loved them, could not get enough. Yeah. And when I needed to lose weight, I'm also I also have a sweet tooth. And I thought to myself, okay, I need to lose weight. I need to give something up. I have these things in front of me. I can only keep one. And I decided that I was going to go I was going to cut out red meat first. And uh, then I was going to cut out poultry and have only fish. And then I found myself and and that in return, I could keep chocolate, but I would go dark. I would have dark chocolate and in small portions. Mm. And so it was some swaps that I could live with. Yeah. That worked for me. I'm very much into the classical Mediterranean diet because, as I mentioned earlier, I'm Greek and yes. it's a cuisine that comes natural to me. Mm. And um, it was easy because the uh, na- the Mediterranean diet was something I grew up with, and I could go back to a classical Mediterranean diet. And I said, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to lose the burgers, and then I realized with my first veggie patty. That it was never about the beef. It was all about the ketchup, mustard, and the pickles. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I went to my delight. I was thrilled. I could still enjoy my cheat food, which was, you know, a veggie patty. And I called it a cheat food because, you know, I still had my bun and my fries. And but I still felt like it was sustainable and that I could take those little steps and have my 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 treat and not feel hungry because who wants to feel hungry Mm, mm. pretty soon i found myself challenging myself to be mostly vegan 
And then I would go through an entire month of being vegan, or I'd, I'd say, okay, two thirds of my meal will be of my me of my day will be vegan. And I can have one uh, animal based product in one meal. And sometimes that wasn't an egg or two or a little bit of cheese. And I play these little, you know, and then I play these little games to see, to test and make sure that I was getting enough protein on plant-based. Yeah. I was paying attention to my food. I was feeling good. I was having my recovery with my exercise. I was uh, incorporating smoothies and, and, and stuff like that to make sure I was eating properly. And I was satisfied because I did not want to be... <laughs> In the States, we have a term called hangry. Yes. Has that yeah. made its way to the UK? Okay. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> Did not want to be hangry. No. Um, and so, yeah, those little steps. Uh, and then it adding more frequency with my exercise because I was realizing that at the end of my exercise, I felt good. Mm. I felt stronger. I felt more capable and I felt, and all of this on more, on all levels, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Mm. And I felt good with my body. Yeah. And I didn't have to train anymore after I proved to myself, I don't, train heavily. I have my own routines with uh, exercise that I do. But even though I'm a trainer, I like to watch other people's <laughs> because it, it it's something I enjoy doing mindlessly at times. Yes. Um, but I could uh, go out without having run for weeks and just run three miles, which is about five kilometers on a dime, you know, I just, and not feel anything and not worry about it at all, because everything else that I do is in line with keeping my body and the functioning that it needs to be able to recover and to perform when I need it Yeah, without stiffness and muscle aches and all of that stuff. Mm. So for me, it's really important to help clients with getting themselves to that optimal performance to, and, and understanding what optimal performance is to them. If you want to run a race, that's great. Let's do that. If you want to lose weight, that's great. Let's understand why you want to do all of that. Because once you understand why, the how will be affected. It will be made more sustainable and it'll be part of your self-development, your personal development journey, and ultimately your story. It's yeah. that important. Yeah. It's it's really interesting because I'm just scratching at the moment at the surface of a I don't know if you've come across it a Buddhist teaching called dependent origination. Hmm. Also, no. also called dependent arising as well. And mm. I came across it via a podcast, actually, that I listened to called 10% Happier by uh, a, an ABC anchor in 
America called Dan Harris. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. highly recommended. And he had a speaker on yes. and she was talking about this. And I then went, oh, what she just said really rings a bell. And she was talking about this thing and she has this series talking different. She's got her own podcast talking about this. And an American lady called Andrea Feller. And one, it's it's a 12 point cycle that we go through, not just in this lifetime, but every single lifetime, <laughs> depending on what you believe. Mm. But mm-hmm. the, the interesting thing, what you were talking about just now came up in my head and I thought I'll, I'll share it, is mm. when, when we get into, let's say, a routine um, of, say, exercise and we get obsessed with it, and we, let's say we miss out, we miss a day or mm-hmm. we miss a week or we miss two weeks, mm-hmm. it can really get to us because we go, oh, I haven't done mm-hmm. my exercise yes. or I haven't done this, or and which just brings us back into suffering. And this is about a cycle of suffering that this teaching talks about. And it talks about clinging, one of the thing, things that we hold... We cling on to things, and that clinging causes stress and suffering. But mm. once we notice that this is what we're doing, then we can really concentrate. And for me, I mean, there's a lot more to it, and I'm literally just saying I'm just scratching at the surface of this at the moment because it's a very mm. complicated teaching that I'm really trying to understand, but I'm taking my Mm -hmm. time in making sure that I, well, I'm not suggesting that I will ever understand it fully, but I'm I'm trying to see how it shows up in my life. And this clinging onto things, whether it might be diet, it might be exercise, it might be, I don't know, a relationship or, or a business deal or something else, you know, um, which causes this this immense suffering, and when when you were describing, I might miss a week or two or three or, and then I'll go back to it again, and and that's a much healthier way of looking at it, rather than saying I've got to do this every single day or every other day, and it's got to be my religion, and 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 that just and if we miss it, we just go straight into suffering. Um, so yeah, I thought I'd just share that mm. that that observation of of what you were describing. Mm. Yeah, so much, uh, so many goodies there um, to talk about. <laughs> um, and I'll start with, if you remember, I had talked about um, tuning into our mind and heart. Yes, about what it is that we need and why we need it Mm. and paying attention to it in the work that i do i help clients pay attention to that once they connect with it and they understand it it's much easier to have a healthier response yeah 
Now, mind you, when I say that I haven't gone to running, I, I also mentioned that I'm doing other things that keep me fit yes, or in shape so that I can. So we kind of work through, and you alluded to that, that kind of obsession of I have to run three miles every day. And then if I'm going to do weights, I'm going to do extra. And then I'm going to pile on and I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to do that. And yeah. then, oh, yoga, uh, you know, and even talking about it, my cadence became a lot faster, right? Because we have this inner voice that gets us to, to do all of this. And then if we haven't, we do find ourselves in, in suffering. Yeah. Um, the, the work that, uh, that I do is influenced by Buddhism and Hinduism and shamanism. A lot of spiritual practices align with it because it talks about, it, it looks at our inner workings and how we connect with ourselves as beings in the world and i'm scratching the surface too here trying to be as simple um in in phrasing that mm. um but as beings we are complex we have our minds we have our physical bodies that don't always work for us the way we want you know no. i had miscarriages and mm. people suffer and and not to you know people suffer far worse than than i did for me my suffering was real uh, but there are obviously a lot more things uh that go that happen to us when our body doesn't behave the way we expect it to mm. or we want it to mm. there's a type of betrayal that we feel there in ourselves um but regardless of the way our body our, our our body's optimal performance is when we are in our bodies, we show up and we exist in the world. Yeah. And I want to be very inclusive of everybody, regardless of ability and of age. You know, we know in corrective exercise that it's offered to all people of all abilities. Yeah. When we talk about optimal performance, we're not talking about uh, famous magazines being on the cover of a magazine. I'm talking about my body's optimal performance at my age with what my body has to offer. Yes. Yeah. Right? And so we, we, there is a suffering when we feel like we are not doing the things that we envision that we should yeah that we that we ought to in order to be and it's all of those questions those understanding why why do you feel that you ought to why is it not okay that you didn't do a specific routine the exact same way mm every single day because life changes. Yeah. Um, for me, the fastest way to get through that was I had babies that, you know, I had a son after that didn't sleep through the night. Most of us parents do. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes my alarm clock would go off at seven o'clock in the morning and I had just fallen asleep. Yeah. 
and it wasn't going to happen. No. Um, you know, but we give ourselves more leeway under those circumstances than we do with everything else. Mm. And life can be difficult, is very busy. It's busier than ever. And we need to, or I would not need to, that's another should. I would invite people to reflect and look at their life and their situation with compassion. And instead of trying to force a remedy, to invite a remedy, to say, okay, uh, in the mornings, I I would like to carve out a little bit of time for myself to self-care. Yeah. What does that mean for me? Does that mean uh, a brisk walk? Do I only have time for 10 minutes? Does it mean a meditation? Does it mean that I can stretch? Does it mean that I am going to uh, take my shower in the morning and really uh, and wake up to the water and and do a you can do a brief meditation in the shower how how am i going to connect with my body so that i can have that routine so it doesn't have to be this rigid i'm going to run every day yeah because when we fill our cup in different ways we can have a healthier response. Gee, today I get to run. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, today I get to do this. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Okay. So thank you. It's it's really, really interesting. And I could I could talk about this topic for a long time to, you know, look at it in all sorts of different ways. Um, in your, in your practice today, then Teresa, how does this show up? How do you help people? What, what do you do? How, how can they get hold of you, uh, learn more about what you're doing? Share that with us. Sure. Um, right now I'm working mostly one-on-one with clients and I do uh, a three or six month journey to um, that is completely individualized on establishing what their needs are, you know, what we talked about in uh, heart, uh, mind and, and body. I'm, I always start with uh, movement. So I'm, I do like uh, to be very movement based. Yeah. Um, and, uh, occasionally I'll bring those, uh, clients. I bring them into a, a smaller group if they want to do, uh, ongoing work in a group setting and meet others, uh, that are on similar journeys. Yeah. And that's, uh, and I'm on, Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I have a, a website, uh, TeresaWV.com. Um, and I'm on Clubhouse more recently. So on Clubhouse, uh, I'm joining it's I have a club called Heart Centered Wellness, and I um invite other heart-centered coaches also to come in and have uh, discussions, clients, coaches, anybody who's interested in it 
to have discussions. Uh, last night, late at night, we did a sound healing. I had another uh, a lovely woman, Ria Wang, come in and uh, play bowls and do sound healing uh, session. And uh, we do talks about compassionate living with plant-based living. Uh, it could be anything yes. around health and wellness discussions. So that's the long answer <laughs> to where you can find me. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, got carried away there. No, that's but, perfect. Uh, yes. That's perfect. No, I'm it's... on all the handles, I think. <laughs> okay, so you, you have a website. Uh, they can find you on Facebook, Instagram, Clubhouse, LinkedIn. Um Sure. Yeah, Twitter. I think you're on Twitter yeah. as well. So you're you're basically ev everywhere. Um, so people can find all of the handles and links in the show notes. Uh, I'll make sure to put them in there for them, um, and they can connect with you and learn a little bit more. And of course, nowadays with you know Zoom calling and Skype calling and all the other calling apps that are out there, <laughs> you can do this internationally mm -hmm. as well, correct? Yes. And before COVID, I was doing uh, walking sessions. So the coaching sessions were a walking session. I've started doing that um, virtually also. Wow. So that we're actually moving while we're uh, uh, talking. Oh, great. Um, so... Yeah. So the best way to reach me is probably through a direct message, either through Facebook uh, or through my website. Yeah. Uh, or hop on a conversation on Clubhouse. Uh, you know, it's they they pop up. There's a schedule, and uh, yeah, it's uh, fun stuff. <laughs> Brilliant! It sounds amazing. Well. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I've really enjoyed talking and listening to you and how this has all unfolded for you, for you, which is incredible. And wish you so much success with it and hope people get in touch with you and learn more about their own journeys and start discovering their hearts and minds and, and then their physical body <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for um, having me as a part of this project. I've listened to other episodes and I'm uh, excited to be in your library. Oh, <laughs> and it's great to have you there, Teresa. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe and share at will. I'm always looking for more listeners and guests, so do get in touch, please. You can find me pretty easily by searching for Staying Alive UK. Thank you. Staying Alive UK. Share your story.